The following contains plot spoilers, and the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad, it's just a show. Do you listen to podcasts? You will. This is Totally Super. Welcome to Totally Super, where we review every superhero movie ever made. My name is Justin. And my name is Arthur. I thought you were going to go like, you listen to podcasts? I listen to podcasts. I listen to to podcasts. My mother listens to podcasts. Let's be best friends. (laughs) Let's be super friends. Welcome to our review of Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, part of our review of of, uh, Zack Snyder's uh, take on comic books in the DC universe. We started with Watchmen, uh, then we went to Man of Steel, and now we get Watchmen of Steel. Is it is it safe to say that this is the like the combination of those two ideas of how a movie should be? Are you getting? I'm um, getting much more Watchmen in this one than I was in Man of Steel. I, I'm feeling like I could watch yeah, Watchmen you'll, you'll and this to, and go, yeah, to it's totally that out guy. a little bit further. Um, yeah, I I think that that that. This is a guy who look. Frankly, I I get it as a director myself. You you kind of learn what you can do and what you're good at, and then you do that thing. Michael Bay. No one's yelling at Michael Bay for making giant explosions, right? You go see Michael Bay. That's his brand. He knows how to do base explosions, and you either like him or hate him. But that's what he does. So I don't want to. I don't want to crap on Zack Snyder for doing what he does and what he does well. Man can fill a frame. I'll tell you that the man can. Well, what create did you? What did you mean about this being picture. more like Watchmen? Like what? What are the Watchmen? I meant specifically it, about Zack Snyder coming into his own as a director. I mean, Zack Snyder going, okay, this is what a Zack Snyder movie is like. And and Watchmen did its thing. There's a lot of rain and slow motion shots of things moving around and then fast and slow and, and get, getting your, your, your like, hey, here's the splash page from the comic and it's dark and in the rain. And it's one of those special comics that you paid an extra two bucks for because all the paper was black instead of white in the background. And and he has learned how to do that. And where Man of Steel, he was trying to project more of an image of hope, although we talked last week about how it was just an image of giant destruction. This is like he gets to delve back into the gritty, rainy underworld. So I feel like if you were to tell me that this took place in the same universe as Watchmen, I think at least visually it does. I think mm-hmm. that if, if you were to go, Hey, do you think this is directed by the same guy who directed Watchmen? I'd be able to go. Yeah, I think it probably is. Um, that makes sense. It's, it, this is, this is the most, I dare I say the most Snyder that Snyder gets. Um, I guess we'll talk about that eventually. Um, I mean, I uh, still feel, I mean, ultimately I don't know if I'm ever going to see anything more Snyder than 300, but, uh, but this certainly was up there. Yeah, this is, this, it knows what it's doing. And, and look, I don't want to, again, I don't want to fault an artist for making the art the way that he arts it, right? That's, that's, that's for him. We can talk about whether or not that is what this movie needed. Um, there are times when I think that only Zack Snyder can do some of the things that he does that I love. And there are things that I, I, I have an issue with. (laughs) 
Um, I mean, quite to a treat few it very to put it very simply, if you're making a movie about a con, you know, if you're making a movie that's meant to, at the very least, reference or sort of hearken to the idea of a comic book, you could do a whole lot worse than a director who's really, really good at creating beautifully framed slow shots. Like in point of fact, I would say that is like one of the go-to. Oh, yeah, if I wanted a movie that feels a little bit like a comic book, then that is exactly the kind of director I would go to. So in that as in that aspect of it, uh, in terms of his artistic approach to cinematography, I still uh, I still think Snyder is a is a very good directing choice for comic book films. Um, now there's a bunch of other issues with Snyder as a director that I don't like as much, but that uh, that I will never get tired of. I will happily watch two hours of slow motion, uh, beautiful shots in the rain. I'm there for that. Which is why you like Lord of the Rings as much as you do. Um, there is something to be said, and I think that, you know, we're, we, we sort of jump and we're, we're going to jump slightly ahead into part of the tale of the tape, but this was written by Chris Terrio and David S. Goyer. And I find myself lately, you know, f- when I look at, cause right now they did a little background on what I'm doing right now. Uh, I just submitted the IMDB for cancellation, which is the movie that, that I've been writing and directing for the last year. And when you do that, you realize the writer and the director, I wrote and directed both of them, but those are two different credits. And I have to ask myself, are the issues that I'm going to have with the film a screenplay issue more than they are a director issue? Because I think that visually there are things and complaints that I have and things that I will talk about. But largely the positive, a lot of the positives of this film are in the way that it's made and a lot of the the negatives I might have about it are going to exist within the screenplay. And so I I feel like people, you know, people now, I think there's a little bit of redemption because of how people feel about Justice League for Snyder. But at the time, Snyder was just crapped on for this film and, and the, the stupid things that this film does in much the same way that that, you know, people who did not like uh, the rise of Skywalker. Um, which, by the way, I am a person who really did like uh, The Rise of Skywalker, um, want to just blame J.J. Abrams and realize, you know, that there's a, there are other writers involved and other people involved. And, and you, yes, the buck supposedly stops at the director. But when you're dealing with a major franchise film, you know, there, there are producers and there are writers and the director, the larger the film, the less power the director has, if that makes sense. Um, it does. It's very it, difficult to tell where the relationship works, especially in film. In theater, it's incredibly easy to understand the relationship between writer, actor, and director. In theater, for the pretty much 99% of the time, the playwright's words are sacrosanct. You do not change the line. Uh, the stage directions you can that's really more of the director's call because uh, some playwrights don't even work with stage directions but in terms of the actual dialogue you do not change things you will in fact be shut down your production will be shut down if you try to change uh, the lines from the play uh, it's happened before whereas meanwhile then you go over to film and again it depends uh, on what kind of film you're working on but you've got directors who are completely making you know calling for actually I think like you've got directors who can 
can change the story of what the screenplay says and say, you know what, I think we need a scene like this instead of the scene that's written on the page. You have actors who sometimes look at the lines and say, okay, I see what they're going for. Now I'm going to take that dialogue and I'm going to make it mine. Uh, now there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. Uh, you know, so you'll have some productions like that, but then you'll have productions like any Aaron Sorkin production in which once again, his dialogue is sacrosanct. Like I remember there was a story of a production of the West Wing. They were doing one episode and there was one line in the script where the word the had been written twice in a row. Clearly a typo. They still had to go back to him for approval and say, we just want to make sure before we film this scene, was this a typo? And he said, yes, it is. You can go ahead and remove the the, which of course, you know, prompted the, you know, prompted the joke question of, okay, which one should we remove? Cut. But the, so in film, it's very, very hard to tell from the outside. Maybe the writer had a very different idea in mind and either Zack Snyder took it and went somewhere different with it. Or like you said, maybe the studio said, no, this is the story you've got to tell. And Snyder said, well, okay, I'll tell it to the best of my ability. In the end, it's really, well, really hard to know. Well, and the film is called Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. And I think that Zack Snyder wanted to tell Batman v Superman. And I think that the studio wanted to tell Dawn of Justice. Um, so you think because, it could suffer from the same problems that Age of Ultron did, in that Age of Ultron would have been a way better movie if they could have just focused on Age of Ultron and not have to set up all the Infinity War stuff that was coming. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there is a... That, that the movie is... My problems in the movie largely stem around the Dawn of Justice stuff and not as much around the Batman v Superman stuff, which I find kind of captivating. Um, and mm -hmm. even great things like Gal Gadot in this movie, who she's great in the... It's wonderful to see. You know, Wonder Woman is an interesting and fun character, but she was not needed for the plot. She, like, the way she... We're going to talk about when she shows up at the end, it's just like, oh, here's Wonder Woman. No explanation. Here she is. Y'all know who she is because she's Wonder Woman. It seems very much like the studio is like, we're setting up Justice League, guys. Here we go. So I feel well, like... at the time, we they are... were definitively setting up Wonder Woman, the film. Well, they, yes, but Wonder Woman was, you know, much like much like Captain America, the first Avenger, Wonder Woman was, was coming out specifically ahead of Justice League so that you could have, you know, essentially they, they were going to try and go for Avengers and, and that's, you know, and yet get everybody their own franchises. But for th this movie seems to be serving multiple masters and I and and I feel like Zack Snyder is doing his best to to navigate within that and he has problems and the film has problems that stems out of his sensibilities and and David Goyer's sens sensibilities but I think that one must necessarily realize that this film in terms of where to lay the blame if blame is to be laid is absolutely a studio creation it is it is not as much of a Frankenstein of a film as the one we're going to do next week or in two weeks we'll talk about that in a second um, but it is absolutely a, a studio picture. Um, mm -hmm. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, I just referenced it, so let's talk about it now. We are going to have a uh, sort of a format change that we're going to be trying out for Totally yeah, Super. we're trying for something the next new here. Um, we have often found ourselves rushing through uh, our thoughts on a film, trying to get it to be within an hour. We have an hour and a half long podcast where we go, you know, is there a way to to make it so that we can spend a little more time talking about the sort of things that we're talking about right now? 
And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing at least for the next little bit, the next five, six podcasts, we're going to be uh, splitting them up into two parts so that Batman v Superman will be doing the first part of the podcast. And it's the same format as we've always done, but it gives us time to breathe and talk about certain things. Specifically, um, we'll be going up through like the end of the plot and then where we start to do our character breakdowns and then our final thoughts on the film and our big discussion. That's going to be the second of two. So you're going to be hearing not one, but two a superhero podcast about uh, about each movie that we do for the next little while. We'll see how we how it goes. If you guys hate it, let us know. If you love it, let us know. Yeah, give us if you a don't listen care, one way or the other. Yeah. Um, either the, way, uh, uh, I offer the same money back guarantee that I offer to everybody. If you don't like, well, this is a very good opportunity to say, yeah, go ahead, listen. If you like it, uh, hit us up on Facebook and let us know. And if you don't like it, hit us up on Facebook and let us know one way or the yeah, other. We we, lo- we love hearing from you. All right, so um, uh, tail of the tape, real quick. The movie's directed, of course, like I said, by Zack Snyder. Uh, produced by who cares? It's produced by by DC Warner Brothers, looking for a franchise, trying to compete with the Avengers, which is going at the same time. Uh, uh, DC's always been the underdog in the mix, and this is their big uh, their big launch to it starring Ben Affleck uh, who we will talk about on the second part um, we'll have to talk about a little bit now about our expectations ahead of the film um, uh, Henry Cavill coming back Amy Adams coming back Jesse Eisenberg as, as Lex Luthor Diane Lane Lawrence Fishburne all the people coming back Jeremy Irons in as a, as a really cool uh, Alfred Holly Hunter as the senator and of course uh, Gal Gadot coming in as Wonder Woman um, uh, the movie uh, clocks in at 151 minutes unless you watch as I did the ultimate edition which is 31 minutes I was longer. wondering if you dude you need to let dude you need to let me know if you're doing that because now we're going to be removing we're going to be reviewing two different films again well like we did with Watchmen. we're just we're giving them a we're giving them a a a, a wider experience so you do one we did it on purpose we did it on purpose ladies and gentlemen we, we talked did, we about didn't do it on purpose we would we didn't do it on purpose we didn't talk about it ahead of time <laughs> we did we totally we had a long conversation so we could give you two different reviews it's like two for one since we're giving you one for two now you get two for one no it's my fault and i blame you arthur um uh the it's it was just it's the one that I bought before and I wasn't going to buy this movie again. Um, uh, it uh, was a budgeted 250 300 million dollars got 873 million dollars, which is pretty good. Um, it certainly made made a profit. Generally, you have to make about 600 million. Didn't crack a billion. Uh, wasn't the giant thing uh, that they that they wanted it to be. But I mean, for instance, if you were to uh, um, compare it to Justice League, uh, which cost you know 300 million but made Two hundred million dollars less. This is uh, this is absolutely um, a success, I think, and and it would have been a good uh, launch off. But people had other things to say about it. Um, what was your first experience seeing of this? Did you see this in the theater? What, where I did were not. You My first, first experience was watching this uh, just a couple years ago, actually. I think it was on HBO when I was at home just with, uh, it was, I think, a weekend day. And I was like, oh, yeah, I should go ahead and see this. And so I What kept you out of the theater? Why, why, why like, you, you do see movies in the theater sometime. What, what made this... Like, I had other stuff to do. I, I had no great. I had well, the reviews weren't great. Uh, I was not. I, I mean, I didn't see Man of Steel, and I hadn't seen Man of Steel. I didn't see Man of Steel until we reviewed it a couple weeks ago. So there was no just. Eh, I had no great yen to go see it. So I sat down and was just watching it on my couch on a lazy Saturday afternoon. And for a lazy Saturday afternoon film, I had a great time. Uh, especially, I think you know. Again, we've talked before about how expectations are such a crucial aspect of whether 
whether or not you enjoy a film. Because I was coming into it with the advantage of people saying, you know, of having listened to a whole bunch of people crap on the film. Uh, so my expectations were not very high, which meant that through it, I was just watching and I was saying, oh, yeah, this is this is kind of fun. I'm digging this. Uh, so it was a very pleasant surprise. I don't know whether that would have been the same experience when I was in the theater, but my experience at home on my couch was a very positive one. I think that it's it is important to to gauge expectations. You know, the Rotten Tomato score in this is 28 percent. It's probably the lowest rated of all of them. Justice League um, is actually rated significantly higher. Um uh, you know, Batman v Superman is a tiresome, ill-tempered film, one too lazy even to earn its dismal outlook. A movie that beats you into submission and makes you wonder if the sun will ever come out again. D plus from the New Republic. This is a movie that is is lambasted, and the it's got a 63 percent audience score, which may seem high. Um, but that's actually like audience scores tend to be much higher anyway. And this is um, this was not a liked movie. Um, I will say I definitely preferred this film to Man of Steel. Why? I'm mean, going to uh, talk about it at the end. But what is the. Yeah. Well, I mean, the bit one of the big things was the Man of Steel tried to be all philosophical and, you know, and for reasons that we discussed last time, failed on multiple accounts. This one, I felt actually earned the consideration of the questions that it was raising. Uh, and we'll get more into that when we talk about about the big question, but that was one of the main reasons why I liked it. I thought the plot hung together pretty well. Things moved from, I mean, essentially, especially if you consider that it really is two films, be Batman versus Superman and Dawn of Justice. If you remove most of the Dawn of Justice stuff, it is a plot that is pretty straightforward and works from point to point to point uh, with a couple, you know, twists that might have been a little bit hokey, but that I still kind of enjoyed. And yeah, so it, it was definitely not a phenomenal film, but I remembered watching it and thinking, you know, there's a... It's like eating a meal that is not stellar, but there's a few ingredients in it that you're like, oh, I like the taste of this. Yeah, I think that that it's a film that, for me, you know, I saw it in the theater because, of course, I did. Um, and at the time, I find myself defending it. The silly stuff I did get, and I felt like I got more of the silly stuff after. Um, and, and my second viewing of it was not as pleasant because I was like, I started to really see the problems. Then I saw the, the Ultimate Edition, which is a better film in in my estimation but it does take longer to get through um i i also liked it better than man of steel i feel like like man of steel was kind of i feel it it just kind of was meandering my problem was man of steel didn't seem to have a, a strong narrative through line where i feel like this like kind of knows what it's doing goes for it interesting man of steel 56 percent on rotten tomatoes suicide squad 27 batman v superman 28 justice league 40 um and then finally you get to wonder woman and it's 93 so like i think that and again, the first four are the ones that are more more Snyder. They are their Snyder is is his outlook looms large over those four films. Um, I think Suicide I think Squad's one thing better. That, I think one yeah. thing that very much helps is if you are this was it was sort of billed as a sequel to Superman or as a sequel to Man of Steel, and I think in that aspect it fails. If you watch this film with the idea that Superman is the protagonist, it doesn't work. Superman is he has. <laughs> You know, not a ton of dialogue, not a ton of big choices. Uh, if you watch this film at, with Batman as more of the protagonist, that's when it hangs together and is a lot more interesting. Yeah, I, 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 I absolutely agree with that sentiment. I think that that my opinion of this film has gone up in in recent years. I think the Ultimate Edition, which is thirty minutes longer, is a big reason for that. I think it, like, I, I really do think it improves things, but it is still a film fraught with problems. And I think that much like, 
you know, I think about much maligned films that that I have learned to like over the years. It's a film that I can now look past the problems and I'm glad it exists and I'm and I'm sad that Affleck's not back as Batman and and I I would love to see the expansion of this world into something better. Um so I do think that that it's a film that is better than the 28% that it has. But I don't know how much better it is. Um, uh, we're coming out of, 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 of course, Superman, um, where you had a tone set by Zack Snyder. And, and I feel like that tone, the doom and gloom, looms over it. Um, and I guess we'll talk about that when we get to the very end. But yeah, what was your experience to... watching the film the first time? I thought it was dark. Um, I liked it. I like watching superheroes smash into theater? each other. Yes, absolutely. Um, and it's it was loud and it was dark and it was you know I I like that. Again, I found myself asking, is this what this sh-? you said last? This is not my Superman. Is this what these guys should be doing? Loomed over the film for me. So while I did enjoy mm-hmm. it, I do remember walking away with a sense of you know. You know, of that, I do have to say there is one actor. I you know, show my hand a little bit, who I was ready to see be disastrously bad in this film. That I was so unbelievably pleasantly surprised by that actor's performance that I that I forgave a lot of wrongs in the film just by going Jeremy Holy Irons. Crap, that right? act, yes, Jeremy Irons. It's, it's you know, his his Uncle Scar should not be Alfred is what I thought. Although it's interesting, Jeremy Irons is in the TV Watchmen. Um, and it's so fun to see him be like, it's, it's just, my brain was kind of broken. Like, wait, it's Snyder, but it's not Snyder, but it's HBO. It's fun. <laughs> um, I think we can't talk about much more without getting into the plot of the film. So if, if you can, what, tell me the thousand things that happened to this film, sir. Oh, sure. No, this one, this one wasn't too bad. So Batman versus Superman, the plot. We begin on the day of the battle between Superman and Zod from Man of Steel, now watching through the eyes of Bruce Wayne, who gives us a more human perspective on the devastation. The experience leaves Wayne deeply mistrusting of Superman's ultimate intent, an opinion that is not helped when, 18 months later, Superman causes something of an international incident by rescuing Lois Lane from a terrorist camp in Africa. He's not alone in his concerns. Another fellow made uncomfortable by the presence of God among humanity is one Lex Luthor, or at least the cool, hip Silicon Valley Mark Zuckerberg reboot of Lex Luthor. Luthor is trying to convince Senator June Finch to allow him to import a slab of kryptonite recovered from the Indian Ocean as a deterrent. He also manages to gain access to Zod's body and the wreckage of the Kryptonian ship. Bruce, suspecting LexCorp of being up to no good, attends a LexCorp gala and hacks into their mainframe, but the data is stolen by mysterious antiquities dealer Diana Prince, though she later returns it to Bruce when she cannot decrypt it. His investigation reveals two things. First, Lex Luthor has a big ol' hunk of kryptonite on a ship in port, and Diana Prince is way older than she seems, based on a photograph of her from World War I. Batman tries to steal the kryptonite from the ship, but is stopped by Superman, who warns Batman that his vigilante brand of justice will not be tolerated. Later, at a congressional hearing on Superman's overreach, a bomb smuggled in by Luthor goes off, killing everyone present but Superman. Racked with guilt that he should have detected the bomb, he goes into a self-imposed exile. With Superman out of the way, Batman breaks into LexCorp directly and successfully steals the kryptonite, which he uses to make a number of kryptonite grenades and one big ol' kryptonite spear. Luthor, as it turns out, has been engineering this mutual enmity all along. He kidnaps Martha Kent and pushes Lois Lane off a building, whose screams many times during this film effectively summon Superman. Luthor tells Supes that he has one hour to kill Batman or Martha will be destroyed. Superman flies to an abandoned warehouse where Batman is waiting. Though he tries to explain what's going on to Bruce, Mr. Wayne is not listening 
listening, and the two engage in an epic duel. Just as Batman gets the upper hand and is about to kill Superman with the kryptonite spear, Superman begs him to save Martha, leaving Bruce confused, as Martha was his mother's name as well. The break in combat allows Lois to arrive and explain the situation, just as some weird freaky lightning starts enveloping the Kryptonian ship in Metropolis. Batman rescues Martha Kent, while Superman confronts Luther in the scout ship. Luthor reveals his trump card, a monstrous abomination created by Zod's body and Kryptonian technology, which he dubs Superman's Doomsday. Superman and Doomsday do battle across several locations, all of them very explicitly abandoned, as several lines of dialogue <laughs> from many other characters remind us. Bruce joins the fight, as well as a third. Diana Prince reveals her metahuman nature, and with a flourish of badass exotic rock music, Wonder Woman arrives on the scene. Doomsday seems unbeatable, until they realize that kryptonite can damage it. Superman grabs the kryptonite spear and impales Doomsday, getting impaled himself in the process. Both combatants are killed. In the aftermath, Luthor is jailed, though he warns Bruce that Superman's death has now made the world vulnerable to further alien threats. A memorial for Superman is held in Metropolis, and Clark's body is buried in Smallville. Bruce expresses his regrets to Diana about how he failed Superman, but reveals his plans to form a team of metahumans to protect the world in Superman's absence. The final shot of the film is on Clark's coffin, as the dirt covering it slowly begins to levitate. Fiend. So, there's a thing called structure in a movie, and I gotta say that I can't tell you where the clear three acts are in this film. Uh, most movies exist in three acts, the first being the setup, that's uh, that's that's Luke, Luke on Tatooine, um, until such time that he has to leave his home and start the adventure. Uh, the, uh, the second act is actually two acts um, because it's clearly divided in the middle where they go on a series of adventures until the middle there's a big turn and they have to try to accomplish a major goal. They fight to accomplish the major goal and then they either seed, succeed or fail at the end of that. And that is, uh, that, that is you know, Luke goes with Han through a series of adventures and then, uh, and then finally escapes the Death Star with his goal, which is to save the princess. But then the success or failure at the end of the second act uh, is actually a lead into a much larger problem and that is the third act where there is a climax where the hero has to use everything that he's learned in the first part of the film to to fight the bad guy again and win definitively. I feel and like the third the act the, I, the third act in this film to me it's pretty clear that the third act starts when Luthor kidnaps Martha Kent and Lois Lane like that's from that moment forward that's when we're all just driving through to the end game. Is it? Because I feel like the th I feel like the third act is I feel like the third act is the moment that Batman and Superman join forces. I feel like there's a whole shift in plot in the third act where it's like, the third act is at the end of the fight, which makes sense. I feel like the fight is the big battle at the end of the second act, where then they go, okay, we got to work together, and here's Doomsday. Let's go fight him. I feel like there you have your 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 third and final act, and that the problem that I'm going to have structurally is that I, I in, in either case, we're talking about a difference of like eight or nine minutes, right? It happens either at the beginning or the end of the Batman-Superman fight. Um, mm -hmm. I can't tell you the clear first and second act of this film, nor do I feel like the extended third act with Doomsday Day has all that much to do with anything else that's happened in the film. I feel like the well, themes to me, the, go away at the end of the film. One of the like things we, that we, yeah. 
Uh, I think one of the things that does not help the film is uh, in any story, you do need a major dramatic question, uh, which is, you know, a question that's asked at the beginning of the story that is answered at the end. And I guess you could say that sort of the major dramatic question in this one is, well, is Batman going to kill Superman? Because that's, it is, that is one of the big questions that is raised. And so in that aspect, it, it does get answered. However, the real problem I'm thinking of right now is if you've got an antagonist, who in this case would very clearly be Luthor, that antagonist needs to have a very clear motivation for doing what they're doing. And so my question to you, Justin, is why does Lex Luthor engineer this whole conflict between Batman and Superman as well as develop an unstoppable killing machine in Doomsday? What is his end goal? I think, What's he trying to I do? Think that, I think that's a great question. <laughs> um... Uh, if so, to rephrase your question, if Lex were to win and get his way, what is it that he would win and get his way with? You know, if 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 Lex could have his druthers, how would this movie have ended? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a, like I honestly don't know. Yeah, it, you, you should be able to look at a villain's actions or dialogue and say, Batman okay, would be in the villains Batman in the villains' be, ideal world. This was this is what would happen. Yeah, Batman would be dead, and the world would hate Superman for killing Batman. But the world kind of hates Batman. I kind of think that where it would backfire is... Batman would be dead and the world would be like good on you Superman he was kind of a yeah. dick <laughs> like, I mean the, like, that's the, th- the whole thing is like what's like yes we definitely get a sense that Luther is saying you know oh there should be no gods among people like he clearly wants to tear Superman down um, I mean in the comic Lex Luthor like actively despises Superman not just because Superman thwarts his plans all the time but just like there is something about the very nature of Superman that Luthor cannot stand and again more I'm speaking now more more towards Luthor as a whole, like in the comics. Uh, I think part of it is Luthor is, he is a megalomaniac and a narcissist, which we know. And so the idea that somebody could be above him is so profoundly hateful, hateful to him. And with well, other that guy people, would not, with, that even, guy even, would not even make with other, a doomsday. Yeah, even with other heroes, it's not as bad for Luthor because, you know, even if another hero beats him in a moment, then that's just a, well, you just got lucky this time, but, you know, in the end, I'm going to succeed. I'm the, but Superman, like, I get this sense that Luthor deep down knows that Superman is a more powerful being than he is. Like, Luthor, in his deepest secrets, has to admit that to himself. And that is why he despises Superman so much. Uh, now, that's just my own theory of Luthor from the comic. Uh, and we see a certain amount of that in Luthor here, you know, him talking about uh, humanity and the gods above humanity and all that. But what we don't... So, so I guess we kind of see why he wants to tear Superman down, but beyond that, we know nothing about his motivation or what he wants. Yeah, is he... Like, is his ideal Do- thing a world where Superman created, is- Was Doomsday created to kill Superman after Superman killed Batman? Yeah. Like, what like, was he going to do? Really the, what, the what, what was he going to do with is- Doomsday? What was he going to do with Doomsday if Superman had killed Batman? Exactly. Like, clearly Superman yeah. was going to come after him once Martha was was what let is go, he going to do? I don't with, think she would have been what, anyway. What is he going to do with Doomsday after Doomsday kills Superman? Like that did not look like a monster that was clearly under Luthor's control. No, no. Like I, he's I just create he he has just created a monster that could destroy all of humanity. Yeah, and he's I mean he's like he's clearly got some issues, but he's like a savvy businessman. I mean he's he's crazy, but he's like you know able to like put his socks on and stuff. Like he's able to run a business. Like like he, he, there is no end game for him. 
him. They're like, I think it's just, yeah. I'm going to, he's, he's really the Joker is what he is. He's like the Joker yeah, he, meets even the way he like, and, and uh, while I find the, the performance captivating, there really is a Joker ishness to him mm-hmm. that, that I, I don't understand what it is, what it is that he wants. Let's go through well, the plot. Even at really the end when the he's themes. talking to, uh, yeah, even at the end when he's talking to Batman and saying, you know, Oh, you can't unring that bell. Now that Superman's dead, there's a whole bunch of other, uh, whole bunch of other alien threats that now the earth is going to be exposed to. And part of me is thinking, if your whole thing with Superman was you didn't like the idea of there being gods on Earth, why are you so happy about having now rolled out the welcome mat to other gods to come to visit Earth? Well, and that's the thing. I don't feel like, you know, it's one thing when it's happening in the Marvel Universe where you do feel like the door swung open and now more stuff is allowed to happen. Um, but this sort of like the idea of of now that there's Superman, well, now you've opened the door. Now there's going to be escalation. And like, no, you find out in Wonder Woman that no, Wonder Woman's been doing this for a very long time. And mm-hmm. she pre- predated Superman. And all the videos that they're watching also predate Superman. Um, so, you know, what, what's yeah. the, like it's it's it, it doesn't make any sense. So they. The, the, a lot of them, the reason it's Batman v Superman is because it's that's the way that you, you do legal cases. And there is a, an element of this, this is the case hmm. against Superman. Does does Batman have a case against Superman? Is Batman's case mm-hmm. against Superman legit? We're going to talk about that when we talk about the greater themes of the movie um, uh, next week. But like does a lot of the movie centers around Batman feels that if Superman might destroy the world, then he must necessarily die. And here's the thing that I wish I saw more of. I see the rage, the the like Batman hates Superman. He hates him. And Bruce Wayne's supposed to be smart. And Bruce Wayne's kind of an idiot. Like he hates Superman. And I would have loved to see a more a less angry and more pragmatic Bruce Wayne who's like it's mm-hmm. an unfortunate truth, Alfred. It's an unfortunate truth. Guilty, innocent, it doesn't matter. If there's a 1% chance that if there's a 1% chance that he might destroy humanity, then we have to kill him. And I wish we didn't have to, but we have to because he's one guy and there's 7 billion of us. It's something that we have to do. It's unfortunate. It's horrible math, but it's I'm the only one who can do it. And that's the decision I've made. I would have liked that much better than the, you know, I know he's my enemy because he got in a fight once. Like everyone knows yeah. that he destroyed the world engine. Everyone like everyone can be like, dude, you should have taken the fight away from a top metropolis, which by the way, the movie seems to say a lot how bad that was, but nobody's like, dude, you shouldn't have done that. You should have made a different choice. And no one yeah, they, confronts him they with built that a memorial key to question. They, they built a big statue to him in Metropolis. It's there at the beginning of the film. Yeah, so so the fact that 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 Batman is so hateful toward him, I would have like the, the pragmatist Batman who's like, This has to happen, and then that that come goes into conflict with everything that Batman believes, but because you know, Batman thinks he's the only guy he can who can do it, and the risk is just too great to have someone this powerful. And so he's doing something that he's really conflicted about. That would have been interesting to watch. Instead, I see this man on a mission who clearly hates Superman. You know, you know, I've, you know, I have a problem with freaks dressed like clowns. Like it's he's just Batman's just kind of mad for the sake of being mad. Mm-hmm. And and I don't I don't know about that. And I will get to that when we get to the characters. But we 
like a lot of the plot centers around the the court case against Superman and against like we start off let's start where we start which is in you know you know undefined Middle Eastern country um, Jimmy Olsen murdered at the beginning of the movie boom shot to the head by Jimmy was that in your version yeah CIA spy Jimmy yeah. Olsen yeah yeah so we start the movie by introducing and murdering Jimmy Olsen and I think that that's that's well, my movie didn't start that film. way but yeah this well the, this film the the version that I had started with the the what how did your start maybe mine started the same way yeah mine started with the uh, the flashback to Bruce's uh yes Bruce's yes no it murdered. did you're absolutely right it did start with that can I start with can I say this um about that this film at least redeems Man of Steel in that way I've always said I had a problem with how callously Man of Steel dealt with the destruction of Metropolis this film this film now when I watch Man of Steel I imagine Bruce Wayne being on the ground and this film showing consequence to that was a good choice. Great choice, in your opinion? Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. The It was, to me, it, redeem is not the word I would use. I do not like the idea of, you, you can't make the first film better by something happening in the second film. Uh, however, it was a very good job of taking something that was not great about the first film and doing something really awesome with it in the second. Uh, I mean, they, they very clearly leaned hard into, look at all this devastation that was wrought, uh, Especially at the end, and when at the end, when they're going to start wreaking devastation, on at least three different occasions, somebody says, oh, look where they're fighting. Yeah, thankfully, it's it's nighttime, so most people have gone home for the day. Or, that island, that's an abandoned island, right? Yep, that's an abandoned island. No human life there. Like How, it's, how many casualties? Only one. Yeah, Only they lean, we're sure. They lean so hard into it that you get the feeling that they're trying to, they're backpedaling too hard from like they definitely realized at the end of the first one. Oh yeah, that was uh it, some yeah, people they watched the said, honest trailers you know, I, and they were like, like okay. yeah, I know Snyder I I know Snyder at some point has said uh you know, well yeah, but you know all of that devastation and everything that happened in the first one and everything will look what look at the consequences it wrought in the second and then there's part of me that's like, yeah, but was that what you were thinking all along? Was it? Or was it more yeah. sort of that thing of realizing afterwards, oh yeah, there were human lives involved. We should probably deal with that aspect of it. Now, don't get me wrong, better late than never. I think this film does a much better job of dealing with the consequences of superhuman battle when it comes to human life. That's a core aspect of this film. Uh, so kudos to them for that. But... I it, think there's it a, I think there's a real problem to highlight you, how much it was missing in Man of Steel. When you have a film where you have two supposedly two pr- protagonists who are who are heading straight long into each other, um, I think it's very hard to do that film well. Um, I think that's very tough. I think when you have movies like Freddy versus Jason, they they very smart, which we you and I saw in the theater on my birthday. Um, uh, they they very smartly say, okay, Freddy and Jason are fighting each other, but you're focused on these new batch of main characters who have to experience what it's like when they fight. Same thing, King Kong versus Godzilla. Same idea the idea that you're focusing on the two of them i think necessarily means that you don't you don't get the 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 feeling behind either one of them as much as you would and then you look at how much this movie focuses on lex this movie spends a lot of time with lex a lot yeah. of time with lex and a lot of time um with the senator and a lot of time with Lois and and a lot of time with the second m- most poorly conceived of plot in this movie, which is the the framing Superman piece of metal Russian agent plot. I'm still not mm-hmm. sure. I just finished watching the movie this morning. 
Still not sure what happened. There's a piece of metal that Lex used to make special bullets. Oh to, no, that was to, that wasn't that wasn't part of fra- that wasn't part of framing Superman. That was just the yes, the mercenaries that Lex hired to get the kryptonite uh, happened to use LexCorp tech. It it wasn't the metal was there as a way of drawing of leading Bruce Wayne back to LexCorp through those mercenaries. Uh, not necessarily a really crucial aspect of the plot, but the the special bullets had nothing to do with Lex's intent to frame Superman. So did Lex put that metal there on purpose so that Bruce would find it? Or you're saying the plot does that so Bruce can find it? I think that's just the thing that I think the plot does that. I think uh, the, what I took from it was LexCorp was like, oh, you're my hired mercenaries. Here's hot, here's some LexCorp weapons and bullets that will make you better at your job. So given that you just had to write that and figure it out, you're on your own. It's problematic that the movie spends 20 minutes on it. Eh, I mean, it's problematic like, that it spends that long at it. I didn't, I, I don't see it as a plot hole. It's not a hole. It's just, it's not a hole so much as it, it's, it spends 20 minutes and you're not 100% sure what it's doing. There's a Russian guy who it's kind of the, I guess, the, the second worst baddie Russian guy who's there for reasons doing bad things. He always kind of shows up to be the bad guy in all the different situations. Um, I just like that whole thing was distracting and 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 not as bad as the other big issue that I have. Um, what is your favorite part of this plot? I, I got to ask, what's your, what's what, like, if you were to pull out, like, what do you think makes this movie good? If there is something that makes it good, what is it that you like? Honestly, and I have a feeling what your reaction to this is going to be. Um, I thought the, they do a good job of seeding the idea of, of both of them, of both Batman and Superman really being concerned about the human element. And especially with, with Bruce, that is, especially the human element in terms of his relationship to his dead family. Uh, you know, they're setting up flashbacks throughout. You know, well, we have a flashback of, uh, you know, of Thomas and Martha Wayne being killed. We then have a dream of, you know, Bruce being at Martha's grave. Like, all of those things, they were just sort of set up there. I didn't necessarily see their, I saw their thematic importance, but not their importance to the plot. Uh, and Which drives me to the, one of the things that I really liked about it. The actual save Martha, wait, Martha was Bruce's mother's name too. I kind of loved it. Uh, if for no other reason than because I'm watching it and I'm and suddenly me as an avid comic reader I'm thinking holy crap yeah Superman and Batman their mother had the same name that's interesting uh, so that was just well, that I, so I, I think it's, I actually I think had it's... that moment of discovery and realization and then the fact that it was I think it was a worthwhile it was a little cheesy sure but it was also I believed it as a plot element that got them past them focusing so much on the big picture which is why they're fighting and instead just got it down to the core aspect of, no, we we both just want to save human people's, li- we, we both want to save the lives of others. Like it, it yeah, for me, it's, it's a very common for me, thing. It was, 10 per- it was 10% too clever. It was 10%, like I could, I could hear the writer's room, them going, hey, you know, I just realized they both have, their moms still have the same name. What can we do with that? Like no one's ever said anything about that. Ooh, that's true. Good job, Bob. You know, yeah, what can we what can we do with that? And I sort of like it's just ten percent too clever. And, I guess that may and, I mean that makes sense. And for me, my personal my personal preferences, as can be, you know, certainly proven by my love of all things that Stephen Sondheim writes, uh I I don't mind seeing the clever. To me, watching watching clever writing, even if the clever is visible, I still get a kick out of it. Um, I really liked the courtroom stuff. Um, I like the the sort of pontificating about whether or not 
it's okay for Superman to act unilaterally. And mm-hmm. last in the last movie, when he's like, I'm going to do things the way I think it should be done and you can't control me, you're supposed to cheer that. And in this movie, you know, the to have a senator going, going, this is, you know, we are a democracy. We act by the consent of the governed, sir, is mm-hmm. a really good point. It's like a really good point against Superman acting unilaterally. Like, should he be a puppet of the government? No. But at the same time, does he have the right to decide what's right and wrong without consulting anybody? Go, well, maybe not. And yeah, well, I, I, there, there's a reason why that's the big question that we decided we wanted to to tackle. Yeah, I I think I think that 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 that. And again, I like the acting in that. Even even the 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 set him up and knock him down of the of the granny's peach tea. Um, I like her and Lex. I like her justified anger is sort of an Elizabeth Warren type. Um. I liked like I I liked the conversation how it how it spilled over into how Superman felt. I liked what Martha Kent had to say about it. I liked what like I liked that aspect of the film, the philosophical talky part of the film. I actually really liked. I really really I dug agree that. With that. I thought then, it, yeah, I thought that hung together pretty well. And I liked the fight between him and Superman. You know that somebody once had the question who would win in a fight between Superman and Batman, and people always go Superman would destroy Batman. He'd grind him into powder. And somebody answered in somebody wrote this on on Facebook. Facebook or somewhere I just remember hearing it going no Batman would absolutely win in a fight against Superman every time because Batman would never enter into a fight with Superman that he could not win and that's really true if Batman were going to have to fight Superman Batman would set it up so he played all the angles Batman that's what Batman does he's always prepared and Batman would never like and so I love that that's how it went you think how is Batman going to deal well you know of course he uses kryptonite but he's you know he's testing Superman he's got everything set up every stage of the fight he has planned out already it's a mm-hmm. brutal and 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 brilliantly done clash of the titans that I you know it's amazing they pulled off that ridiculous Batman armor and had it work. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And yet, by the end, I'm totally into the the super Batman armor. When I first see it, I'm laughing at it. And then I'm into it. So I... I like I dig them, you know, fighting. I, I actually really like the, and we'll talk about the character of Batman because I think you can't separate him from the action of this film. But I feel like the Batman action in this film is done so very, very well. Um, mm-hmm. So I dug that in terms. You of have the a plot. Uh, when you have two two major characters fighting like this. The in order to pull it off, you've got to be able to handle both the how they fight and the why they fight. Uh, you pointed out like with Freddy versus Jason. I, I Freddy versus Jason had one of the best justifications. For for the why they fight. Uh, I absolutely loved it. Um, the challenge that you have with Batman v Superman that you don't have with something like Freddy versus Jason is Freddy versus Jason, like both of those characters are bad guys whose natural default is to destroy and kill. And coming up with a motivation uh, for why you have two characters like that going at it is very easy to do. Less so when you have two heroes who most frequently, they're, they are much more going to be more prone to align to corporate uh, to, to cooperation, uh, especially in service of the greater good. So coming up with a reason why those two would fight is much more difficult. Uh, I'm not sure if this film completely came up with one. Uh, and uh, to be honest, it's one of the it, it's actually it's one of the reasons why you know I know you've said how you love thinking about you know superhero fights because you know you're so focused on the how of well okay you know like you say the lunchroom conversation of okay if Wolverine were fighting 
against Superman, like, well, Wolverine would win because of this thing and versus this and the, you know, talking about the, okay, who would actually win in the fight? Whereas I still cannot get past the, but why are these two good guys fighting in the first place? I don't like that. Uh, so, but I agree with you that the how, I think, was handled very, very well. This is, we knew going in that Batman's only way of doing this was with a whole lot of preparation and tactics, which it seemed like he did pretty well. And I also kind of loved that the one time in the film when Batman was not expecting Superman, when Batman was in the Batmobile trying to chase, uh, trying to chase after the kryptonite, he was not expecting Superman to show up at all, and the instant Superman did, and Batman was in no way prepared for him, there was suddenly this incredible power dynamic shift, and, like, you you could, and kudos to Affleck's acting in this, too, you could see it in his face of, like, oh, God, I have nothing right now. He could destroy me with a thought. Well, I don't think, I don't think we can go very much more into how we feel about these things without talking about the characters. So I think that is a good place for us to to take a break, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we're gonna good take a break to, and to take a take a breather for a week and 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 let everyone digest uh, where the where the plot was of this 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 dark and dank explosion of of, <laughs> of, of masculinity. Um, lots of pecs in this film, ladies and gentlemen. Lots of lots of pecs. Um, yeah. uh, next week we're gonna we're gonna look at um, at the characters and 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 delve into the big question of the film. Um, and I think it's gonna be really an interesting conversation. So I, I invite you to join us. Um, and uh, if you haven't checked out the film between, I'd say give it a check out. Um, you know, I'm certainly not gonna steer you away from watching it. You know, I think we both said we don't think it's awesome. Um, but I think we'll both say we'll give our final thoughts at the end. But uh, if you want to check it out in between, uh, go for it. I think you might enjoy it. Um, yeah. Or at least you'll have you'll enjoy our conversation more. If you've seen. Uh, so for until now, next my week, name is Justin. Yeah. my name is Arthur. And hey there, true believers. Stay super. Now that you've finished the show, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode of the Totally Super Podcast. Also, if you like this, you should head over to geeksradio.com or search Geeks Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. There you can find Trek Off, the not-safe-for-work Star Trek podcast with Justin and Alexia. So search for Trek Off, search for Pop Off, search for Geeks Radio, and just thanks for joining us. This has been a presentation of Endlight Entertainment. 